Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. This isn't your father's Flash Gordon or your grandpappy's Buck Rogers. No, it's a new kid. Super friendly serial <laughs> with a teen fresh out of Space Academy. Why, this week's episode is Cosmic Jason of Crit Command. I am your Space Wars and Trek-inspired villainous GM Patrick here. And joining me in Saving the Universe in short cliffhanger segments are my five fellow graduates and space adventurers to my far left. Jason of Star Command, more like Jabert jabbering away as Champ from Man. Champ from. Oh, sorry. I thought that's okay. Jam from and like Star Command. Get it? Hey, there it is. Across the digital table for me. Look out. It's Sid Haig playing a murderous malcontent. Why? It's Miles making believe as redacted. Good evening. To my right, joining other science fiction heroes with boring names like Luke, Paul, and Jason. Why, it's Tyler talking us pray dear. Hello there. <laughs> Tyler, Space Commando. <laughs> to my immediate left, James Duhon ditching this show in a heartbeat to make Star Trek movies. We have Drew dying to play Zillix Fell. Yahoy. <laughs> he was not in the second season. And across from him, that's not an NES robot. It's none other than the mighty Peepoo, a.k.a. Rebecca rolling with Asher and Sky. Hello. I like to say Peepoo. Peepoo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. There's a robot in the show, and he looks like the NES Rob the Robot. Oh. Yeah, this came just, out before I, all of us were born, so I don't think we have a, a lot of uh, connection with this children. I, I only too. know it by name, and I knew that Duhan was in it for a second. I think he had the mustache I, by that point. <laughs> yeah, I think I, the only clip I've seen is like Sid Haig in some like outrageous. Uh, <laughs> he kind of looked like a Borg in the in the uh, clip that I saw, uh, being uh, like a super bad guy. Sid Haig in Journey to Atlantis, the uh, MST3K or Beyond Atlantis, Beyond Atlantis on the new season of MST3K, a very wild oh, 70s man. movie, including what's the old cowboy actor? What's his name? John Samuel. Wayne. John Wayne's son is in that movie. Along Johnny Wayne. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sid Haig was in a lot of wild movies, and I appreciate Patrick. Putting me as Sid Haig, knowing I'm the big horror fan. <laughs> yeah, Ty- Tyler gets called a boring name person, and Miles gets the horror stuff. Uh, That's true. If I was in a horror movie, I would just be one of the randos that was killed to up the body count. So I, I feel like it's appropriate. I don't. I, I mean, I think he I would be. <laughs> I don't think Miles or Tyler is a boring name. So like, neither of them really fit. Uh, uh, Jabert is just the wildest name ever. So, like, I can't. Jabert is of wild as well. <laughs> can't do that Tr- one. Truly Buckwild names. Jabert. Uh, guys, let's get back to this week's episode. We left, uh, much like every episode of Jason of Star Command, on a cliffhanger. I guess not literally, but figuratively. Let's first, though, talk about what happened last time on Cosmic Crits. Well, I'll throw this in the show notes here. Uh, you guys enjoyed a market day with a new rotating artisan weapons dealer named Alethea Gilcrest Worthington Third. Ezra and Shire showed you some posters that Kells put up announcing she is running for prime executive for the colony, forcing you all to run for your current jobs, with you all selecting Pradier to be your speaker, your elected speaker. You found Riggs R. Mort- Mortis was her campaign manager, and he offered Jamfram 
in a secret, uh, a way to slow down her campaign. Before the first debate, though, you all felt odd, but uh, despite the butterflies, uh, as they lifted, Pradier came out victorious. During the second debate, the same thing happened, but this time, only Pradier felt off. And before the last debate, you all realized the horrid secret of what was happening. Kells had been using. Read thoughts on you all. She knows what you're thinking. She knows all your secrets right before this final debate, which is where this episode begins. But first, tell me what, what I got wrong and get them re-rolls that you hear so much about. A re-roll. Um, so I have one, but I don't know whether it's because my app auto-corrected the name or if Patrick mm-hmm. said the wrong name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said Alethea Gilcrest. Is it Athena Gilcrest Worthington III? It was indeed Athena Gilcrest Worthington. Oh, III. look at you, Drew. Drew From is down, coming. Down. This season, you're you, you're coming with the the last time on oh. trivia here, Drew. What else? We need one more, and you get a. Um, actually, oh boy, the God. spell that Kells Geodrick had been using was not in fact called Read Thoughts, but Detect Thoughts. Patrick, you've been served. Oh boy, does anybody else have any others? Because that is correct. So this is just for the English for the little bit of polish on this. The, the campaign manager was not Rigsar Mortis. It was indeed Haltharia Grauman, who you have scorned in the past. And <laughs> the... Oh, I, I wrote before the first debate, you all felt odd. Not Pradier, though. Pradier saved that first debate, which is probably why you won. You were able to use your rerolls there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, when we last left off, I think you had just figured out that <laughs> she was using this on you. And potentially all of your your teammates here, Tyler, yeah. know, knows perhaps some of your secrets, what you're thinking. But you've seen like a dozen possible futures of how each of these debates can go. And she, you know that she's going to sling potentially a lot of mud at you. I mean, besides some of your, your magic powers, I feel like you've just done a lot of prep over the last three weeks. So, yeah, you see... You see a future where you win, obviously one where she wins. There's like a a split decision almost. You know, that's like a rare one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, there in a lot of them, there's a lot of discord from in inside the colony that arises because of of you know what has happened. You know, not enough to cause riots or anything, but you know, it eventually could lead to potentially slowing the growth for for Viridian. Yeah. So yeah. Even if, if even if you win, there there might be some some damage, some blowback. Is there anything knowing that before you go into this last debate that you want to do, that you want to say? Is there anything you want to ask your fellow teammates here? Oh boy. No, I guess no. I I mean I I he you know he knows what Kells is is up to, and you know I I think he I think in his mind he's trying to think of ways to to mitigate some of the negative effects. But he's, he, I don't think he's quite certain what, you know, he and his team can, can do at the moment. I think he would tell everybody what Kells is, is up to and suggest that they try to close close their, like, <clears throat> close their mind, like, calm their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Just be, you know, do not try to think about things that you've done or have been up to or things that you want to do because she's going to, this is going to be where personal attacks are going to be levied. And the, the the less that you bring to the forefront of your thoughts, the less you'll have to work with. <laughs> Potentially, she's already done this 
you know, a couple weeks ago <laughs> to everybody. Uh, Jamfram's like, I'm not well, a crook. I'm not a crook. I'm not a crook. <laughs> is uh, are, are there any secrets? Uh, so you're sharing that she is indeed using the mm-hmm. tech thoughts. Yeah. Are, are there any secrets that <laughs> you players are harboring that you want to bring to light right now? Miles, explain your entire character's backstory. Just everything. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I, I guess. <laughs> oh, you got cut ah, off your it microphone. Won't, it, it won't let me. Hmm. Your microphone's not working, Miles. <laughs> I see your lips moving, but what? What is happening? Maybe uh, can you type it out? Is, type is, out is, your is text. This, is this thing on? Oh, I, this so I'm trying, but it's not. The letters. Are oh on. boy. A- anybody else? Anything you want to um, bring up? So maybe Pradier is prepared. You know, old, old man. I uh, I don't think there's anything, but uh. Apologies in advance. Well, and you know, fortunately, I can see into a few different timelines, and I feel confident in my ability to pivot around as needed out there. But whatever is said, whatever happens, make sure that we do not overreact. We certainly don't get defensive. Don't pull out any guns. Don't pull out weapons. (laughs) Don't try to argue back. It, the, you know, of, of the more that she can inflame, the stronger her position will be. So, just uh, we we will ride through this as a team. Prater, can I speak with you privately? Prater is almost like shocked that you're the one to come forward. <laughs> 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 like for a second there, you know, I think Prater maintains a pretty neutral face almost all the time, and but for like a slight second, you just see like his. You know, like maybe his pupils change or something where he's just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> but y- y- of course, yes. Is there an audible boing sound with, as, as your eyes uh, uh, rock yes. back and forth in your head? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oi, 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 oi. I mean, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not that. That's not <laughs> what I was thinking of, but sorry. <laughs> I attribute it to the one thing and one thing only, the, the sound effect when... You wake daddy in the game. Don't wake daddy. Sits <laughs> <laughs> up in bed. <laughs> okay. Asher would say to pray dear. I feel that I can trust you. I hope that I can. I hope that I'm not endangering our position by telling you this, but Ezerand, Ezerand, is that his name? Yeah. Ezerand Shire told me that there is a spy among us. One of our crew seems to be a mole possibly leaking secrets to other colonies or maybe an otter i don't know <laughs> maybe an otter it's one of uh, these two creatures <laughs> can only be mole or an otter i only hope that it's not you and i've just given away everything to the wrong person <laughs> but i feel that if they are detecting thoughts on our crew, they may find something that even we are not aware of ourselves. Hmm. Well, this is concerning news. As for your concern with my position, I understand your trepidation. If I am indeed a mole or a spy and I am about to become prime executive of the entire colony, that would probably bring pause. But I assure you that right now my my only focus is to win this so that we can continue to do what we've done here at the colony. And the good news is, is we have no evidence. I assume you have no evidence of a someone being the spy or the mole, which means Kells certainly doesn't either. As wild and outlandish her claims may be, 
There's only so much hearsay she can put into her arguments that is going to have an effect. So I think something as outlandish as a foreign spy will probably be easy to shut down. But this is a long-term problem that we will definitely, we will have to discuss more in private. I am very honored that you came forward with this information. I hope you're right. And I welcome having an ally and trying to figure out what is really going on. I haven't been able to find any clues yet, but as you know, this group is rather suspicious for a number of reasons. So it's been very confusing and I've been very alone. So Mm, hopefully we can work together. I'm sure we can. And it must have been stressful walking around with all this information by yourself. Ezrand is a kind man, but not very capable in the acts of subterfuge. At least that is as much as I gather. Luckily, with my ability to to see multiple realities, I might, I will meditate on this and perhaps something will reveal itself. Fortunately, I have Sky to help carry the burden, but yes. That is true. Yeah. Sky pulses in yeah. blue light. <laughs> boy, 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 boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the pulse sound effect. Praetor doesn't have time to meditate on this because you're, you're, Wanted on stage. They're playing yawn right now. It's time for the final debate in election All right. 3023. Uh, I'm going to roll 3d20. Oh, yes. For today's. For today's. Rolls. Tyler would be real cool and, and real dramatic if you rolled real, real bad. <laughs> real, real bad. Yeah. The, yeah. Real three just low, garbage three low paradox rolls would, rolls would awesome. really help, help out the tension here. A 20 would just really ruin everything. 17 <laughs> pretty darn good. That 13, 17, and 8. Keep the tension going. I'm rolling secretly myself for whatever Kells, Kells has. Is, is doing opposed. Okay. Alrighty. So we are we're we're in it. Um, are there any like salient points that, that you want to bring up during this debate? It you know, it's not so much like questions, but just like topics that you each get to expound on. Um, you know, you know the, the basic five things like what are you going to do for the economy? What are you going to do for mm-hmm. Accord? <laughs> what are you going to do for technology? <laughs> Tell me if you, you heard this one. Magic is another. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the let's not talk about the complete lack of magical investment I've put into. Our, <laughs> our, what's uh, good is like you're not playing favorites, even though you're a magic user. So that's, 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 yeah, that's, I got to say true. that's probably a plus in your, your column. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think Prater would discuss the, you know, the 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 gains they've made in Accord, the current boost in the economy that we mm-hmm. are seeing, acknowledge that there is going to be an expansion of housing uh, that has already been set up due to the great influx of people wanting to come and be a part of Iridian, and how this expansion is going to continue. More and more people are are going to want mm-hmm. to come to Viridian. And this is this is a time where we need to keep moving forward, keep being aggressive with our our deals and our expansion, and and not a, not a time to question who we are culturally, and you know dampen our economic progress that we've all worked so hard with infighting and internal struggles. Infighting indeed there is here because you know she's she's doing pretty well in in straw polls of people on the street. Kells gets pretty impassioned and you know makes her 
her main final plea saying, um, I, I just want everyone to know here that you can trust me. You can trust Kells, but I, unfortunately, you cannot trust the the founding five council here, including Praetir. But Patrick, Patrick, are you trying to do a, a Ben Shapiro impression here? <laughs> this is working, baby. It's working. I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, no, no that, that's like. Yep, I don't know. Yeah, that would be. I have to go like higher and rattier. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. right yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, I, stone I, I, rats. I forgot her her voice. Oh yeah, Kells. Come, Kells, Kells, Deirdrick. I I want people to know here that maybe didn't know this. You all killed my friend Balco Unktar, but I have forgiven you for that. Something was wrong. I, I, I think people understand that there was some kind of accident. So I, I forgive you, pray dear. But what I won't forgive is your your colleague, your friend, redacted, breaking into my my domicile in the dead of night and probing the dead body of Balco without without permission. There it I, is. There's the dead body probing. I, I swear on my life that that gray will do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. What do you have to say to that? You, you're going to defend him? Is that right? <laughs> I agree. I got to make sure I don't fall into too much of a political cadence here. Let me try that again. Uh, well, <laughs> how, how about well, you call her out for using the improper pronouns for redacted? I believe. That is hate oh, no. speech. <laughs> Sorry. It's too redacted, easy to fall re- into that cadence. Re- redacted, broke into my building and redacted. Mm. Uh, well, he called you uh, the gray. <laughs> or she called you the, the gray. gray. Yeah. Also said um, him. Uh, a mistake I make very frequently. <laughs> Tyler, you've you've got the cadence. For many politicians, I think you need to just work on that prettier voice. <laughs> <laughs> I agree that my colleagues' actions were far, far beyond what could be called out of line. I think, from what I understand, there was a desire to seek answers, which only could be found by doing an autopsy on the body, which was denied. I believe that Redacted's actions were in the best interest of the community as a whole. I still do not think that it was right to trample over the well wishes and decisions by Kells. So you're saying if you had evidence and and you know for a fact that Redacted say committed a crime, then you would want to see Redacted prosecuted, perhaps exiled from the colony. Is that right? I would say if there is evidence of a crime, then he should be afforded what all citizens are afforded, a trial, and if found guilty, a punishment that was suitable to the crime that had been committed. Exile. A projector and screen off to the side of the uh, <laughs> the, the the seats here is pulled up by Haltharia Grauman with like a real wide poo-poo-eating grin on her face. <laughs> I I also believe that I have evidence here submitted by a a loyal colonist that redacted perhaps is none other than the leader of of this terrorist organization of people here in the colony. Folks uh, are calling the, the cult of the Naman. Haltharia, play the video, if you will. Indeed, it shows it's like black and white. It's very, you know, night vision security footage of what looks like Rigzar Mortis's pavilion tent. And we see both Redacted and Zillix, I believe, was a part of this caper uh, spray painting the symbol of the cult on the outside of the, the tent. 
<laughs> just spray paint the side of the this. Oh, it's uh, it's from episode two seventy four. So it's a little while back. Couple, couple episodes. Wait, what, what? What did we do? It's only like four episodes again. This was actually Tyler's idea. I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was Pradier's idea, but it was definitely Tyler's. It was definitely she, my idea. Just. <laughs> <laughs> to, to spray paint the symbol of the cult on the side of the tents to get people to stop potentially buying these these trinkets, these shields of the Nomon. There's there's shock, there's awe, there's gasps in the audience seeing this, and you know you, you hear the, the Yo, scuttle. We should, butt. we should have they should have never put us in charge of a colony. <laughs> I was about to say I got we should have so fought much. way more. Ca- Patrick, can we restart the campaign as Kel and like her friends? Because like oh, so no. they're probably so much much better. They're probably I, better. I have like yeah. a ton of evidence, a ton of dirt on everyone except here actually. So it's oh, funny. look at that! I'm definitely not the mole. <laughs> that sounds like a mole. That's what the mole would say. <laughs> oh no, you got me. Do, do you think uh, Prater has anything to to say for this? To say, uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, Prater would look at the the video and say. It does seem that you have caught both Zillix and Redacted in the art of graffiti, and that is certainly a punishable crime. Your conjecture that they are a part of the of this rising cult or the leader, um, that does not have substantial evidence based on your video. However, it is still a crime to deface private property, and so that will have to be dealt with accordingly. I do not think that the people here, whether they be my colleagues or friends, are above or beyond our loss they should be held accountable just as we all should so what you're saying is if there were other crimes that your compatriots committed that you would want them to step forward now and 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 tell the people what they did to to seek justice before them because right now you all are doing whatever you want whenever you want and i think the five of you are a liability for this colony oh a big liability Prater, I've extolled on the number of reasons that you and your allies should be disqualified for for running this colony in any capacity. But I'd like to hear what reasons, if any, you think I would be a bad Primex, a bad choice. After everything's said and done here, what? how am I the worst choice between the two of us, seeing as the company you keep has uh, already racked up a string of crimes, even if half of what I said is true? What is Kel's job on the in the part party? of the communications team with you know Belko and maybe now some others communications with other colonies so like the, communications from Absalom. So essentially a part of the same team where the whole communication building got like exploded. I mean it was really just the tower, <clears throat> maybe tower. some of the electronics, but yeah. I believe that leaders talk a lot more about what they can do than anything else Kells in the time that we've been here while I applaud your efforts as a part of the communication team it is true that when com- with in comparison to other colonies like those I have spoke with in our trade negotiation deals our communications is lacking and there a part of that was the attack that happened on the tower but the recovery from that has been has been slow and that partially falls on your team yeah, I you also killed be- one of my teammates. That's why who, it's slow. Who had become undead? Are you saying that with without a? You're, are you saying that without one other team person, you just cannot get the job done? A good leader is able to find solutions 
That's no matter what hurdles are in front of them. And I tells I do not think you are capable of that. That's a low blow, Pradier. I did everything that I could get things back up and running, but I was in mourning for a friend. Gee, no, you uh, were. You were angry. Crocodile tears. <laughs> you I, were. You I were was angry. Angry then, but now I, I had forgiven you for for what you had done. But someone who had truly forgiven up, would not gosh. use personal attacks on the campaign. That is something that you have only done. Your sole focus has been revenge against those who have wronged you. And I disqualifying inappropriate candidates is what I've done. And I'm going to do that again right now. Because if all that wasn't enough, and I'd hope to keep this a secret, but I, I'm sad to report there is a, a deep rotten core within the founding five members of the, the colonies selected officials, not elected officials. After we got here to the planet, Corporates got wind of a communication, and it appears one of the five members is a spy, perhaps for another, another colony, perhaps for another corporation. And while we can all probably guess, it is indeed redacted also behind this sabotage of our colony, behind the cult of the Noman. Uh, we can't rule out that it's Pradier pulling the strings, just like he's a, the ringleader of, of this campaign. Uh, backstage, Ezra and Shire is like, Oh, oh my, a, a spy uh, amongst the five of you. That's crazy. This this is the first time I'm hearing about this and I'm shocked. <laughs> Kels is like, this missive, <laughs> this transmission was given to Ezra and Shire, the, the, the founding five's advisor. So he's implicated this as well. He's known for months and has done nothing. Backstage Ezra and says, ah, oh, pronk me. Any, anything to say to that? You knew this was coming now for <laughs> all of like 20 minutes. Glad I prepared you so well. Hells, do you know what the most important thing about trying to find out who a spy is? I do not. I'll answer that for you because you do not, because you have committed the worst possible mistake, which is showing your hand, leaking information. The fact that you were part of the communications team and you took this, took something on your own, away from your station, certainly something that's above your pay grade and your responsibilities, and now has revealed it to all, has made the job of finding this spy and mole a hundred times more difficult than it would have been. In fact, Ezra Shire has done a great job and has made movements behind the scenes to discover this mole, but those, that action has now been completely wiped out for your drive for revenge against Redacted. Your decision-making, your judgment I, uh, has completely fallen apart. I know a very easy way to make sure that we're able to expel this spy, just like you expelled one last month. We exile the five of you from this colony. You're not allowed to see it ever again. You'll have to move off planet. You'll have to go back to Absalom with your tails between your legs for what you've done. I know for a fact that you did not know about this. There was only one member of your team that was privy to this information with Ezra Rand. Ezrand was not able to do anything about this, so I'm stepping up. If you elect me, this travesty will be will be done. You won't have to deal with this lack of leadership ever again. If you elect Kells, you'll be sending a clear message that exile without evidence is acceptable in Viridian. I strongly urge that you continue to place your trust in the people who have had measurable results and not in someone who deals in empty promises and subterfuge. 
Oh man, your your spinning is so good. It's like she has she has evidence. <laughs> or at least she says she does, you know. Obviously. Yeah. It's hard to uh call her bluff on that right now, but regardless, some some pretty big issues raised. As the debate wraps up here, backstage, what what are the four of you guys uh, saying to one another? This information coming to light for the first time. But it wasn't my fault. I was given those beans. You persuaded me to trade away my cow for beans. I mean, I do think that it would be a little awkward because clearly one of the four of us knows, I mean, it's Asher, but like the other three don't <laughs> know that it's Asher, right? Yeah, so somebody's been bogarting all the good info. Well, yeah. I, I'm talking about Dio. You know, <laughs> the fact that Redacted uh, is supposedly at, the spy. I, yeah, at least two of you didn't know that there was a spy a <laughs> at all. Spy? <laughs> Right, but then on top of that, one of the four of us knew that there was and yeah. was holding that back. So <laughs> is, that's is Asher awkward. acting very surprised right now? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I I didn't think that this was going to be announced on the stage. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the the debate wraps wraps up here. There's, you know, I mean, the crowd goes crazy. There's definitely the most people for this final debate, and uh, yeah, Israel brings you all together and. Uh, kind of lays out what he he gave to asher and, and sky and it's like ah you know l- l- listen you all I, you know i'm really sorry to, to keep this from you i was i was just worried that maybe some of these crazy things i've gone on since we we landed here you know maybe they had something potentially to do with with someone being a mole but i you know it's possible one of you smuggled those bugs the gremlins onto the ship and if you're capable of that sabotage, then, you know, I was unsure if something else could happen. So I was, I was a little worried, but I mean, I've worked with you guys hand in hand for, you know, the better part of half a year now since leaving Absalom. You know, maybe corporate got it wrong. Maybe none of you here are a bad actor. I've not seen anything like that. So, I mean, what I do know is we all seem to be in this together. You know, we I, I haven't had any real reason to question your loyalties and you know, to one another or to this colony. Y'all been real cool to me. So I I, I, I suppose I, I would say just maybe, you know, take care of each other even more than, than you would otherwise. Um, let's turn in for tonight. We, we still have, you know, election day ahead of us and an election to win. So let's let's get back to it. All right. Now, all right. you say we're all in this together and you're not the one up there on that stage getting taken to task and facing expulsion from this colony i yeah pray dear i'm i'm sorry i didn't warn you about about this i i really didn't didn't think that this would be something that could be brought up i think it is fine at the end of the day if kills had solid evidence she would have put it forward and to your point even if one of us is a spy there we are not going to find out who it is by buckling down one way or the other Spies inevitably make mistakes. If we are vigilant, then a mistake will eventually bring us to the truth. Yeah. I mean, if if Kells was reading your guys' minds, then wouldn't she know who the, the spy was? What, why wouldn't she say if she... No. All right, we can't think about this now. We can't think about this now. Well, if... if A. Detect Thoughts has its limitations. 
And I don't know possible. what that is. Is that? <laughs> oh, it, it is a spell. Oh, um, it, it allows you to read thoughts on the surface of your mind. So it's possible that she wasn't able to figure out who the spy was. Oh, it's man. also possible that even if she learned who the spy was, revealing that she knew who the spy was means she would also have to reveal how she gained the information and detecting someone's thoughts before a debate that would probably not help her win the election. So ah, I do not seems, think it's something she would even be able to take advantage of had she known. Seems like it would have been pretty useful intel, but maybe maybe she didn't give that information up because she knew it wasn't you. I don't know. But Redacted and Zilix, did you really spray paint the symbol of the, the cult on, on this guy's tent? We were trying to warn them about the... Uh, we, 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 I would say we both just kind of look at Freydir. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good idea. Whose idea it was? <laughs> I don't know if it was my idea. I, I mean, I think it, it was Tyler's idea. I just, I don't, I can't oh, remember. Oh, oh, was it a Tyler, not a, not a, not a Prater situation? Yeah, I think yeah. I said. I think <laughs> I was didn't. Like, oh, uh, it would be fun if we came back and spray painted his tent <laughs> so that his business would get hurt. I don't think and, I went into Prater to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and what what I asked is like, who who wants to do it? And I was like, oh. Redacted 100%. And then oh, no, it was like, yeah, Zilix would be down. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that 100% tracks. And then I, I, I it's so funny because I just edited this episode. I was like, um, just confirming this is something, a plan you guys want to enact. And you're like, 100%. <laughs> I was like, let's right. go, baby. <laughs> that, 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 that also sounds like something Miles did. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. I can't argue with that. Like, um, even if it didn't happen, it, it 100% sounds like something that would happen. Election day rolls around, and I'm just assuming you guys are all going to vote for yourself. If any character doesn't want to vote for, for Pradier, maybe DM me if you want to vote for Kells instead or abstain. I don't know. Kells was pretty convincing up there on that stage. Whoa. <laughs> DM me secretly, Rebecca, if you want to flip-flop. <laughs> No, uh, Rodana just wants to see Kells fail in every capacity. So, <laughs> Kells is nice. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I, I like, wish I, I could. She, I, I mean, we might have uh, prejudices from season one. Yeah, with, uh, with an ex sister, but uh, yeah, I wish I could. I wish I could throw all that information in her face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, episode 38. <laughs> you were a real yeah. piece of work. <laughs> yeah, I just got off the phone with one of them next. Oh, is this is that person. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, oh, it's, okay. uh, it's an Anak Feldspar sister. Kills yeah. going under. Yeah, she's going by Kills, I guess, Feldspar Diedrich, but it is mm. not really using her family name. Right. So it's a long day of, of voting as as the count goes up. Folks scan their colony badge and then have to go into a room where they place a physical vote, you know, in one of two boxes. And yeah, well, one has Prater's <laughs> face, one has Kale's face. <laughs> and I, but I believe, well, Tyler, I guess you can roll another diplomacy check here if you want to <laughs> see if I can beat my 17 or whatever. see if you can beat a 17. Otherwise, that's it's a good roll. How about oh a natural boy. 20, baby? Oh, boy. <laughs> you shifty, gambling, cheating fool. You're just looking at all the futures. <laughs> you know, like, like a b- bunch of the audience members are like, this guy makes some good points. <laughs> uh, I've 
I've had difficulty with what your your guys's name is for this season because we don't have a ship, so you're not like a crew. You know, colony doesn't really work. I, I've been saying the Founding Five, but yeah, Praetor and the Founding Five got 157 votes. Kells unfortunately fell short with 114 votes. So it was close, but you, she needed to swing like another. Yeah, it close, but not 30, by like American standards. 25 people somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, there's only 277 people in the colony and, and none of you decide to vote for Kells. How dare you? I'm, I'm revealing your secret ballots. <laughs> not not to the your other characters, but to the other players here. Yeah. So yeah, Pradier is elected prime executive of Viridian Colony on the 28th of Eridus, 323 Absalom Reckoning for a term no less than two new Galerion years, however long those are. I think it's the same. I think it's like three. Good thing I won't live for two years. <laughs> Kels comes back. She's like, I have stats in the book. You're going to get attacked. No. You you are indeed elected Prime X, Prime Executive, Pradier, and you give it to you. You have five cabinet positions that you need to fill. One for a cord called Deputy of the Peace. The the culture one is called Secretary of Society. Economy is Chief of Credits. Magic is the Minister of Mystic Research, and Technology is just Sciences are. Got anybody in mind for these these roles? Oh boy! So it, it was. I put on. it. I put it in our chat. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. So doesn't, I think doesn't have to be picked immediately, but you know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, I, and I guess maybe Prater would discuss with Redacted would be that being's feelings of not being appointed to one of these positions due to all the heat around Redacted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Miles, that's up to you. Counterpoint, put Redacted in charge of social stuff. <laughs> oh boy, that's going to be a no-go. <laughs> it's, it's like when uh, Dwight decorated for the uh, the birthday party. <laughs> right. It is your birthday. <laughs> Period. Uh, uh, do, do you want to... Um, I, think, I think Redacted would, would want the science position. That is the... I mean... As in, in even the um, the electives and stuff, that's what Redacted's chosen to do. It's kind of why Redacted's even around is for the study of things. So that so would be something Redacted would want to do. Okay. And and, and arrest Kells. I don't right. think that's what the science officer does, but <laughs> science. No, no, no. Just on top of getting getting the, the position, also wants Prater to arrest Kells. Yeah. These are the kind of things which make me not want to put you. <laughs> hey, it's called a science czar, not yeah. not, a, not a science pal. I'm going to send these people to the science gulag. <laughs> I'm going to prove a theorem that you're arrested. Uh, no, yeah, uh, Redacted would absolutely want to be in charge of the studies of things because one Redacted doesn't think anyone else is up to snuff in terms of <laughs> smart enough <laughs> get, get, yeah, get, get, getting to the objective sciences of it and and also it's a position that allows redacted to be kind of left alone which redacted also likes I, I to spitball i'm trying to figure out how to give you the science czar position while also holding you accountable for kind of breaking laws make you him assistant to the a, science czar under yeah. zillix <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) You could allow the colony to choose the paint job of the car. Oh, vote for is that our next uh, uh, fan submission challenge? Is what, yes. What paint job is the redacted mobile going to be? Because redacted loves that vehicle like more than mm-hmm. anyone on the team. <laughs> um, this, this is your PR, your public relations. Uh, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I am saying this as Miles. I'm just <laughs> saying that that Prater knows how much redacted loves that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, let's, so let's, something involving let, the vehicle. <laughs> the the. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I will. Sporting guy, if you get shotgun privileges, I'm. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll 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 say that, and maybe I'll even approach Kells with this. That Kells and the rest of the community get to choose the outer appearance of the vehicle, um, which can include color and decals, and. Then your, sinister. <laughs> what, whatever work that you do as the science czar for the next uh, two years has to be uh, made publicly available for transparency's sake. Let's do that. Yeah, Red is not thrilled about that, but agrees to. Well, it. that's only as the science czar. So the workaround is whatever private research you do. Right, 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 right. No, 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 I was picking that up. I was. I, was okay. I will not reveal my secrets. <laughs> I was one hundred percent expecting to do that. Perfect. Okay, Rebecca, so we'll, Jabert, uh, Drew, any any of these calling out to you, or anything you want to suggest here? So Zillix, you know, stats wise, skills wise, is is more based on science than anything else, but. Mm-hmm. He hears the term chief of credits and something inside him that is. Oh, boy. Something stirs. <laughs> something stirs that he's not quite prepared for. Oh. Business. Nice. Business. All right. Zilix, I think. I mean, do you do you ask Prater about this with like some some very f- forward gusto that perhaps we haven't seen or. Give me the money. Chief of credits, eh? I'm your man. Give it to me. Now, the, oh. the credits, I mean, give me the credits. Uh, I will say, Zilix, since we have arrived here, I haven't seen you so eager for a position, which is, it is nice to see. Uh, if you wish to take on Chief of Credits, then by all means, it is yours. Zilix nods, one eyeball goes one way, one eyeball goes the other way. <laughs> uh, oh, Asher and Sky and Jamfram, I cannot help but feel like uh, the Minister of Mystic Research doesn't fit either of you's abilities, unless you are hiding something from me that, uh, <laughs> of the mystic variety. I, I, I shiftily look over at Sky and Asher. I'm like, mm, I don't know. They look uh, pretty mystical, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just give uh, that position to Sky. <laughs> I mean, like, to be uh, fair, I do one? have mysticism, and it's not bad. But Yeah, a chief executive, executor, prime executive. That's your title, probably. Uh, uh, it would be my honor if you would give me the the duty of keeping our our citizens safe in the colony. I believe take the a, deputy of peace position will will fit you well, Jamfram. I hope to live up to the duties of the office, which I am very happy to see that that leaves Ashran Sky perhaps as our secretary of society. I still for. I have said this before, but I still firmly believe that Viridian doesn't quite have its own identity yet. And so I feel confident that with you in charge, that will change. I agree. And I look forward to helping us forge a community and 
and identity and camaraderie through the arts. All right. If it is all right with all of you, I would like to approach Kells and offer her the position of Minister of Mystic Research or the ability the, to The defunded position. <laughs> the, the, to, to appoint a okay. Minister of Mystic Research from her team. Oh. As a sort of good olive faith. Olive branch. Yeah. All, yes, an olive branch here because I feel like if we do not repair that relationship, she will continue to sow discord and weaken our colony. You, you want to you have a try to get a meeting with Kells? See if she'll take you up on that? Yes, please. Yeah, she's, she's barely seen in, in public as uh, as the election results, you know, go go your guys' way. And uh, a lot of a lot of people unhappy. Obviously, a hundred and what did I say, hundred and fourteen people voted for her. Yeah, not not a majority at all. But um, she she convinced a lot of folks. And um, yeah, many of them per- perturbed by some of these allegations. Is uh, what what would you like to say to her? You know, I must admit that this was a much closer race than I thought it would be, and a sort of boon. I agree that. A lot of things have happened very quickly, and during that time, there hasn't been a lot of accountability. This was a good time for us to come together as a whole and try to fix some of these things that have been causing mm, tension. So I want to thank you for helping. Hmm. That's uh, that's a, a nice way to put things that have come to quite a point here over the last few months. I wasn't lying when I said I had forgiven you about Falco. I I just missed him immediately after a great deal. And well, and I also really didn't like redacted for a plethora of reasons. But I uh, over the last few weeks really got into a lot of your guys's heads. And um, I will say I, I have I have less than zero clue who who this mole was. Well, Asher seem to be very concerned about. I uh, I appreciate you coming out here, Praetor. I would like to take this position on myself and potentially offer whatever leadership capabilities I have in joining your, your team. I think that would be the best for the colony. I think that will, if, if maybe I walk back some of the things I said, have things cool down here very quickly. Would that, would that be agreeable to you? That would. And to sweeten the deal for you, I would like to put into our bylaws or this <clears throat> current election, as you know that myself and Pradier, Zillix, Redacted, Asher, and Sky, we leave the colony for some time. And it is, you know, no strange thing that death might be uh, an unfortunate side effect of our, of our exploring. Whoa, he threatening one of your team? No. Oh, sorry. But since you... <laughs> we can, we since, can make room on the council, so to speak. <laughs> but <laughs> since you received such a large volume of the vote, I believe the right thing to do is that in the event of my demise, the prime executive role will fall to you. Oh, well, if you want to make that a bylaw, I'd uh, I'd watch your back, though, if you indeed aren't this this mole character Asher's worried about. They might... Might still have something up their sleeve. So the 
the outcome of this election, if <laughs> if she had won, which honestly never really a concern because Tyler's cheating at the game by having <laughs> like the primary skill for like all these checks like on lock, but um, it's it's possible. I think with some of the decisions you you've made, like some of the enemies you've made in in the the colony that she could have tied if i had rolled a little better let's see i, I used uh, oh i rolled a two for my final bluff check here in this last debate and then uh used my I, oh i need to mark this i used my level re-roll here to um, oh nice to try to get better to make this a little more exciting but no no i didn't i rolled a seven the second time ah, it's closer to normal so I think because of those roles, you know, not not a lot of people were convinced they, they did see her as, you know, potentially just throwing all kinds of stuff. To see what what sticks in this final debate, because she was down, down a little bit in the polls. All right. So that's that is election 3023. Can I just say what's more <laughs> impressive is that we had a 100 percent voter turnout. Well, you, you can like track people down and like force them to vote <laughs> if you want to but i'm just people were, people were just very proud of there our put colony. a note in a box Get in there. <laughs> yeah it's just impressive yeah i mean 277 people i don't think it's <laughs> that hard but yeah we, we're at the end of month four here believe it or not this like two episodes of this election have have got a whole month done and uh, we got to do a bunch of stuff but the the normal end of month shenanigans but because of this election uh, we are going to have our first increase in unrest happening and because of how popular Kells were even if she walks back some of the things she said the, the amount of votes that she got and the kind of things that she brought up brings the colony's unrest total to half of the kind of the vote points that she got here, which was six. So unrest is going to increase by three, but I think because of the reconsolidation or reconciling, <laughs> that's the word that, that you guys did. Uh, we're, we're just going to knock that down by, I guess, I guess just one point uh, down to two. And right now, that, that's not really a problem. Bad things do happen in the colony if unrest gets up to 10. But really, the only way that happens if is like if you go broke or some of those end of month random events go bad. But otherwise, it's it's pretty easy to live with. Not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. So um, what's our current what's our current unrest? Two. Just two. And we can actually the thing we can do is. Uh, assuage unrest so we can yep. actually spend resource units to like have a festival or you know a party. projects or whatever and then we can roll a 1d4 and for to try and you know lower the unrest level so yeah and then we can look at if this goes up a little higher i was about to say if it had been three maybe it would have been worth it because you like so you do have the burn RP, rp but like two it's like if you do that for sure you're gonna roll a one you know oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe hold off yeah that just the first good. little little speed bump for for the colony uh, let's uh, let's take a look at the the map because you guys uh, you know while you were campaigning also did have uh, some time to explore and and pick another uh, I guess this month just two hexes to um to, to fully explore so far you've kind of gone mostly north and south 
uh, and west of the the colony. Um, what's again the colony? It's right here. Does anybody have any other squares you'd like to elect on on our colony map here? To yeah, yeah, to pray dear. <laughs> oh boy! Look that square. Oh, now I'm in charge of the squares too. Ah, look that square every day of the week. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell from the map. Did we explore where the stone needle actually is? No, no. you've you've not like mapped that area out. Should we go and check it out? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's an easy one. That's only a couple squares away from the oh. colony. So should we also do either GG 27 or GG 29? <laughs> because we'll, we'll get more of the coast. GG. Yeah, I think I think GG 27 is. Yeah, There's a big old one. fertile delta areas. Okay, so another couple of squares there. Who wants to do admin duties this month? And and I will say because of your guys' involvement in the campaign, this is like a low income earning month for you all. We're just kind of like a week of, of earned income for everyone. So it's not really going to affect what you earn this month. Um, who, who wants to do it? Redacted will. <gasps> Redacted for the first time. Okay. That means I think only Champfrim has it. Champfrim's been putting it all for for months. Wee, it's my turn. Uh, <laughs> that's rolling twenty. No, so what? Oh, I gotta bring up the colony notes. Uh, the the first thing that you get to do is is roll for resource units, and mm-hmm. that's one d six and two d four. All right, so you've got now two resource nodes created. And we still have an episode re-roll, too. So. <laughs> well, uh, those, those are for D20s. Oh. Yeah, not not great rolls. It's six RU in, in total here and adding to your previous two that you had rolling over. Yeah, eight, eight RU for, for this month. That immediately gets cut down to four because of upkeep. And then you have a couple projects that you can set forth. Any, any I, not I a lot you can up. Build. How is upkeep determined? Like the uh, the upkeep amount, or the, how do you pay the upkeep? How many squares that you've developed, like resource units and uh, what should I call it? Oh, hexes that you've claimed as as part of the colony. So the last month you claimed this one in the mountains, kind of near the golden blooms, oh, but to the side. Okay. So yeah, right now the the upkeep is four. So oh, you don't have a I ton, see. but if I think that is enough to build another resource node. Potentially. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see. Should we maybe do a resource node where there's water? Well, um, it's it's gotta be one that you've already claimed. So right. the, the other the other thing you can do if you don't want to spend like all of your your resource units is claim another hex. That will mean your upkeep is five next time, but Okay. So let's do a resource node in here. No, we haven't claimed that yet. Yeah. We've only Unfortunately, claimed Y twenty seven. So oh, we can put oh, a resource I node there. I, yeah, the mountain there. one is, is basically the only one you can Okay. Can, let's uh, do that. Build. Then. What is the cost of that? I've I've forgotten. Oh, I got it up. Resource Okay, so node. building a resource node costs one RU and claiming a hex costs one RU. Oh, that's not that bad. So we're gonna go from four which is good because we need to start saving up. Right. Yeah. Um, a little well, bit so that because like I, I'd love I We need to build like a school and, you know, a shopping center. And, and we start to start building those kind of things. Do, do you want to claim another one? Um, you 
it, it will take like a month to to develop so which is why you can't like claim and build on the same one but you can build on y27 mountain hex and then also claim one of these other ones that you've explored i think i would be fine with that i like that i also feel like we should be saving the nodes too yeah save but save it, saving the nodes saving i mean the save, saving the units. resource units. units oh uh, yeah yeah i mean you don't have to do uh, a second project if you don't want so I don't know. I mean, should we, should we build? I don't think that we have three resource units. I think everything costs. I think the lowest cost of anything is six. Okay. Yeah. So we, the only thing we could do is potentially is to claim a hex. Okay. Then, then I'm, yeah, I'm good to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. And redacted school for gifted youngsters. will have to wait. <laughs> we got to roll a charter events and we had one last month. So I think there's just a 15% chance that that happens. Uh, so D100? Yeah. It's an 18. Oh, right right on the, the, the cusp there of, of a, a 15 on a D100, but not quite. Okay, great. So um, you guys can each roll a profession check. We could do that off air. I don't know. That's not super exciting stuff, but do not forget to write down how much money you get please <laughs> right and we're, we're going into month five of the colony the month of rova which is august i think is the equivalent <laughs> so okay. in in real life we're we're just getting done with august we're not keeping up with uh with colony life i don't think but yeah uh, as as things kind of like settle back into a, a normal pace in the, the colony of exploring and people building, you know, new houses and, and things like that and bracing for even more colonists to show up. It's a it's a cloudy day as you guys are maybe getting back from exploring the forests around Viridian when you see right at the gates of, of the colony, maybe waiting for you guys to return. Rigzar Mortis, the the Yoxian former soldier kind of with his arms, his bony arms folded uh, across his, his chest. And he, he comes over to your vehicle as, as you stop. Hopefully you stop redacting. <laughs> and he's like, ah, I need to talk to you all. I've, I've got something important to say to you. It's, uh, it's to be continued. No. <gasps> Redacted, that doesn't stop. The be continued by no, Eagles Mortis. Please come back. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll get back to the adventure next week. We probably should have gone la- uh, long last week, but I wanted to have a little bit of a cliffhanger for the election, which could have gone either way. Probably was going to go the redacted way. It's like, hey, what if you have four chances to roll diplomacy? <laughs> How good would that be? But. Yeah, Kyle, Tyler nailed it here on on at least this first book. A lot of diplomacy checks. There's probably a lot more in the next couple as well. But oh, goody. Um, that's I that's gonna need do to buy a tinfoil hat to protect my brain. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna do it for this week's episode, guys. Thank you so much for playing with me, Patrick. Thank, thank you, you, Patrick. Thank you. A short one. I I hope everyone remembers their position names and, and all that good stuff for next week. Oh, I wrote it all down last time on. I'm going to have to figure something else to do. I'm the king of the watch. King we the will. Watch. 
get back to the adventures uh, next time on Cosmic Crits. So long, everybody. Goodbye. Farewell. See you next week. All right, everyone, welcome to Cosmic Crit. My name's Thurston Hillman. I'm going to be taking you on this journey along with my co-host, Jessica Catalan. Hi, Jessica. Hello, I'm Jessica Catalan. Happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, I don't know what this show is about. I've heard it's a Pathfinder first edition show, so we're really excited <laughs> to talk about Pathfinder. Today. Oh, you're so oh, close. Wait, wait, no, they're coming. In. Ah, they're, they're attacking me. Oh, I'm being pulled away from the mic. <laughs> you're so close, Thirsty, but you're so wrong at the same time. Uh, we Now, this podcast, we play something called Starfinder, and now I have to condition that and say we play Starfinder first edition. That was never a problem before. And then you came along, good sir, and uh and, and you've introduced the edition wars. Wow. <laughs> also also we're starting off Seth real today. Okay. Yeah. Uh join <laughs> joining uh Thurston and Jessica. Uh I, I'm Patrick and uh Miles and Seth are here. Uh, and we are going to talk about Starfinder Enhanced. Uh, yep. First things first. Uh, we yeah. joked about it, but that's oh, coming up. Starfinder Advanced Edition. <laughs> oh, one sec, one sec. I always have to prep for Uh-oh. this. Well, you see, I've got this on my shelf. Ooh. I've got the actual physical book because they let me bring the preview copy home from Gen Con. So I'll play the same game I played with the STF Network. Uh, pick a page number. I'm bad at this. Uh, 42. Uh, let's go with... Oh, okay. Ooh, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. How so I like it? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you get evolutionist. Um, so we got some new pages on the evolutionist. How about the new evolutionist divine niche? That's pretty cool. Huh? You want to be oh. a divine evolutionist? That's pretty neat. <laughs> Are you just evolving into God? I mean, is you there, could uh, be. Is there an edition of Starfinder that is for um, evolution challenge states? I'm, I'm joking. I'm sorry. Just... <laughs> <Bad>. <laughs> uh, I've, I've never seen evolutionists come from a, uh, a a monkey alien species. <laughs> well, there it is. With an extra arm. That was also one of the abilities. Not lying. Evolutionist. Extra arm. It's an ability in there. That's your freebies. <laughs> uh, that sounds so, more like it. Well, I mean, yeah. every every evolution is a mutation in some way. They just stick around a little longer. That's so, all. So we're stealing you, and I know a, you, you've already done a ton of these interviews. And I mean, how many people do you think came up to you guys during Gen Con and uh, and peppered you, peppered you with questions about Starfinder Second Edition? Well, I'm going to do the professional host thing as the proper host of the show right. and properly introduce myself as, hi, I'm Thurston Hillman. Oh. I'm the managing creative director for the Starfinder role-playing game. I'm so and sorry. I, I, you've been on <laughs> the been all loosey-goosey here. Yeah, like, been on I know. I, so I disarmed you. <laughs> uh, I, 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 although you've been under many different hats throughout the years here on, on Cosmic Crit. So we appreciate you coming back in uh, in this format once more. Um, and, uh, and by 
Uh, yeah, Jessica. yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm still in charge of the show, joined by <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jessica. Your your position. Uh, with, I am with the Starfinder Society developer, so I am oh, in charge nice. of getting out all the Starfinder Society scenarios you see, uh, helping man our meta plots, all that kind of stuff, hiring our mm. awesome authors, and I'm also doing a uh, whole lot of work on this uh, whole other Starfinder edition that's coming up too. Yeah, that Envoy stuff you wrote went pretty well yeah, today. Yeah, because I didn't have enough tasks i gotta add yeah. more onto that yeah. <laughs> yeah uh and and um we're we're gonna try to keep this interview as uh as short as possible because we were talking beforehand and you guys are just finishing up playing some starfinder second edition when you've you've popped over to to answer some of our questions is that right <laughs> Yeah, I think we did about like three and a half hours of gaming, um, which, by the way, is, is playtesting. Like, that's yeah. part of the actual job. Um, Sounds terrible. We, I know, I know, I know. We we did some some encounters. Uh, the illustrious Jason Bullman uh, ran us through some stuff. Um, you know, it oh, may or God. may not have just been a horrifying ripoff of the thing, but that was basically <laughs> what we spent three and a half hours doing. We were testing out a couple of the uh, the the. The classes that are, how shall we put it, newer into the oven, and we're testing out some stuff with. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, some yeah, some new well. old new old classes. Yeah, yeah like a awesome. Salarian and an Envoy, and seeing how that all worked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. cool. Uh, well, where do we start? Uh, I mean, I guess I'm... one one thing I I warned uh, these guys about is I don't want you to have to answer these same questions you you've answered at Gen Con a million times. Uh, if if uh, if you have a stock can answer, just like spit it out and we'll move on to the next one as fast as we can. We want to get some <laughs> some new info to our Starfinder Oof. listeners and, and fans out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so one of the things about our show was while we were doing Starfinder when it first came out, we were doing it as an actual play for people who hadn't done role playing before. This is my first mm-hmm. tabletop game that I've ever played was Starfinder. Um, so this is the first time I've been on an adventure path. Uh, multiple times. I, I grew up in a small town in South Carolina, so I didn't have a gaming group. So I always looked at the, you know, the the D&D, the Vampire the Masquerade, the Pathfinder books, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So some of the stuff uh, in, in gaming is a little bit of a mystery for me. And so I wanted to ask, just as someone who is relatively new, um, at what point do you decide that a new edition is needed or, or something that is, um, that it is a must like at what point do you decide this this is something we want to work on and this is for both of you where where, where does that become apparent that this is what that, that the next step of starfinder there or any are, game brother yeah there are a couple of points to that um i will i will answer some of the more corporate and leave maybe more fun answers to jessica um okay so to rip the band-aid off certainly you know Tabletop role-playing games, um, generally speaking, you know, the the best part of their life cycle is when a new edition comes out. You'll see this with a lot of games that exist right now. Um, I I play myself a lot of Warhammer, and Warhammer loves to have new editions <laughs> because so they many. can sell new rule books, which gets people in. So, like from from a purely like marketing perspective, having like a new edition is great because it gets a new influx, it puts books out there that everyone really wants. That's that's 
important, but it's actually to the side of what what was really the impetus for us. Um, The impetus for us was that nothing bad happened back in January this year. Uh, (laughs) It was a totally normal month where nothing (laughs) happened in the tabletop role-playing game existence, uh, tabletop role-playing game sphere that was like an existential crisis to many companies that exist. Nothing was Um, shaken to the core. Yeah, yeah. Like foundations have, eroding. Yeah, we didn't have coastal spellcasters doing crazy rituals or anything. Um, and instead, what we you know decided was just in that moment, out of out of the blue, that we you know maybe wanted new dish. Okay, seriously, um, we've been talking about a new edition of Starfinder for a while. It's it's been on on the go. There's been a lot of discussions as to why. I will say one of the bigger reasons for us, again, sort of a boring answer, but it's it's very true. Is We've been we've been victims of our own success at Paizo because we had Pathfinder First Edition, really big, successful game. Yeah. Then we did Starfinder First Edition, which iterated a lot on stuff from Pathfinder First Edition. We took some different directions, tried some things. A lot of people were like, heck, yeah, I really like what this game is doing. And we got super popular. We had one of our best releases at a Gen Con ever when Starfinder came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a couple of years later, this Pathfinder Second Edition comes out. And suddenly everyone's looking at Starfinder going, where is my three action economy, Thurston? When am I getting my three action economy, Thurston? And so on and so forth. And so at the the end of all of that, you know, we 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 became victims of our own success because the new thing we'd done had all this cool tech that a lot of people wanted. And so for a long time, it's just kind of felt like the thing we needed to do. Um, the January events with the OGL, um, you know, necessitated Pathfinder switching to the the remaster uh, project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that remaster project actually gave us a unique opportunity that we really wouldn't have had before of basically getting our games on parity, like with, you know, about a two year, even a year, if you count the playtest as being, you know, in that engine, about a year difference between, which is going to be really, really huge and making sure those games are living in about the same timeline so that we aren't constantly like tripping over ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure Jessica has more fun answers to that. <laughs> yeah, you when covered you know? a whole lot of them. <laughs> you covered a lot, yeah, I was going to say. Um. So, yeah, I think so usually you also, once you start going um, more in years and more years and you're building on top of everything you've built before and you're adding more content, you know, and we put out books very fast, right? Like the amount of new rules, things you get in any of our games, it comes at a very fast pace. And when you hit a certain point as an author for those types of products and also as a player, eventually you can just have so much, right? And I think Pathfinder first edition hit that problem, right? Like there was so much, like just picking a feat. There's so much to go through that eventually you just like, well, this first one I found that felt good is sure. We'll go with that one. Mm. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think we hit that yet with Starfinder. I don't think we did. And I think Starfinder Enhanced uh, speaks to that, right? Like we have another big rule book, Starfinder Enhanced coming out filled with tons of fun, new character options and things like that. You know, I don't think that that's the point that we hit in Starfinder yet. I think we had more to go. But like Thurston said, we came up with a uh event happened and uh <laughs> it accelerated our timeline, let's say, right? Like we've always known eventually we would have to do another edition of Starfinder. And Starfinder has always been a game in Starfinder first edition, for example, that was um kind of pushing the envelope a bit and like innovating, right? Like it was built mm-hmm. on Pathfinder, just like that was built on 3.5. 
but it still was like with a twist. It was doing something more. It was trying to push boundaries and try new things, right? Yeah. And I mean, we always knew eventually we'd have to do another because right now, once, like Thurston said, when second edition came out, um, a lot of the questions weren't, what's the new thing Starfinder's doing? It's why aren't you doing this other thing Pathfinder's doing, right? And they are different games and they shouldn't be held to the same standard. But Starfinder in spirit is also about innovation. Mm-hmm. So getting to push us forward, man, a little sooner than we had intended for <laughs> sure. It, it, uh, we've been talking about second edition and we knew it would be on the horizon, but yeah, no, definitely the timeline jumped us forward a bit. Some precogs were messing with some things and here we are <laughs> in, but, in those, um, uh, in those discussions of like, you know, Starfinder is coming at one point in Pathfinder second edition's popularity, uh, rising, did you know that a Starfinder second edition was going to be like a completely integrated system? Was was that always a plan to potentially expand both into like a a, a shared rule set? Or I have something quick to say before Thurston jumps in. I'm sure you have a nice long answer. <laughs> so good, good. I've, <laughs> I've been here less than Thurston has. Obviously, I've only been here a couple years, and um, I can say that when I started. We knew that there were in the back of our minds at some point we'd have to do Starfinder second edition, whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. But we did not have like a solid in X years, right? That was not, it was so nebulous. We didn't even have like a potential, this might be the date, right? And also there was internal discussion about that exactly. Should it be compatible? Mm-hmm. If it is going to be compatible, you know, should it wait even longer? Because, I mean, how long should we wait before we go to try to be compatible? And if it's not going to be compatible, what will it be? Like, so as far as I was aware, no, we had everything was on the table. I have to say that uh, I think I think that's the correct move because um, not I, I've, I've been a fan of uh, 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 Pathfinder uh, for for a long time. Um, the it has it has its roots in. Um, d20 srd you know uh 3.5 dungeons and dragons um and those rules have always felt really good um and i've always enjoyed starfinder uh but because like you said it's it's something that has the spirit of innovation something i felt always kind of held starfinder back is that it's still based on those same old rules like it, it has like a framework like built onto it like it, it has its own rules that it attaches essentially onto that rule set so it 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 becomes its own thing but um when i heard that this was just going to be utilizing the the second edition rules i think that's probably the best way forward because when i played pathfinder second edition i was like oh they've got something here like this is this is something and and i think uh integrating starfinder with that is going to be I think that's really exciting. Personally, I'm I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, we we did have a lot on the table, as Jessica mm-hmm. said. Um, I remember, like, I, I will cards on the table. I'm one of the people who thought that you know, integrating the games was essential for making sure we could deliver a quality product. Um, and you know, Starfinder is at its core a, a smaller product line than Pathfinder. We don't have the same amount of staff that exists on the Pathfinder side right now. Um and and so that limits our ability to release products. And so one of the the big struggles we've had is, you know, well we have to do adventures. Then we have to do rule books. Okay. 
But then if we're rehashing a whole bunch of stuff Pathfinder, you know, has, um, then we have to redo all of those rules to 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 make it work. And so then we're we're spending time rehashing stuff that maybe we don't want to or, or shouldn't be spending the time on, right? And so compatibility was was something I pushed for, but there were everything was on the table. We had discussions at one point of like maybe it's an entirely different game system, or maybe we come out with it and it only goes levels one to ten, or you know, we have action economy now. Yeah, we we had <laughs> like some it. some serious discussions about it. And at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people on the team felt very, very passionate too about, you know, we all love Pathfinder. A lot of us came from Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of us, you know, helped build Starfinder or were brought in on the Starfinder team. So we obviously love Starfinder. Um, you know, and anyone who says the current Starfinder team is abandoned first edition, that's not the case. We all love it. We've played it. We've devoted years upon years of our life lives to it. Like I'm the one person on the team left who's been there since the game started. Mm-hmm. Um and and honestly, like it it is it is a core thing. But Gamers are changing too. And this is something I noticed, you know, on the the, the show I GM for. We recently started a, a Starfinder actual play. We did like a session zero for it. And these are players who really, you know, like super narrative focused players. We started doing Pathfinder 2E about a year ago, give or take. Um, and you know, they had their their growing pains in that, but have come to really appreciate the system. And so when we kind of went back to the 3.5 tech. Now, a lot of people in the group were like, I have fond memories of 3.5. Let's go back into this <laughs> rules engine. And I'm going to make a gray with a strength of six. And then I'm going to use like <laughs> jolting surge. Oh, that's a touch attack. I'm taking a penalty. What do you mean? I don't have like a spell attack rule. What do you mean? It's a strength based thing. <laughs> like there are all of these little things that a lot of gamers are taking for granted in newer modern systems. Like Three actions versus like, all right, you get a standard, then you get a move, but you get this swift, and this swift is kind of useful in some situation. Like, it's <laughs> kind of like a half action. Yeah, right. And so, like, and and this is not me like saying any bad things about those systems. We all grew up on them. We all you know love them and played them. However, you know, if you look at a modern audience, they have different expectations. And one of the things we have to do again, going back to my cold business views on things, is like we have to appeal to a modern audience. Otherwise there's going to be no one left to play our game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, for for me, the news that you guys were making a second edition completely compatible with Pathfinder, Starfinder second edition compatible with Pathfinder second edition. I was overjoyed because I, I, you know, the, the possibilities that that shared universe kind of like opens up as a, as a GM, but also as someone that uh, enjoys having my players have just like a ton of options. I'm, I, I've just started uh, GMing for teens and I go over like, you know, just in Pathfinder second edition, all the ancestries and classes and, and things that they have access to. And uh, just the other day, I was showing them the Paizo website and they were like, oh, yeah, Pathfinder. What's Starfinder? I was like, oh, well, it's Pathfinder in space. And they're like, what? <laughs> There's a whole nother game. Uh, and I'm sure they would be very excited if it, it, when I explained like, oh, yeah, you can be basically any kind of character you can imagine. That would also include, you know, a uh, laser wielding uh indiana jones kind of character from the future uh they'd be they'd be very excited about that uh i'm sure my players are very excited about the potential for mixing and matching is that something that you guys are play testing right now i know you're you're testing out new starfinder classes 
does anyone playing Pathfinder characters in in what you're you're testing out currently? I see Jessica smiling. Um, so we had a blog we released um, two days ago that was talking about some of our playtesting that we've done internally. Mm-hmm. It kind of went through some of like, hey, this was a playtest we ran. Well, not to bury the lead, but on the, I think the 5th of September, there'll be another blog post going up. It's going to talk about a playtest we did where we decided to see how will our current iteration of the operative, as played by Jessica in that that lovely session, uh, Stack alongside a gunslinger. Let's run a let's oh. run a playtest and see how they work. And uh, the results were fascinating. <laughs> it's not it's not the class I thought you were going to say <laughs> gunslinger. I thought you were going to put the the operative against a rogue. <laughs> you know, uh, well, uh, you know that's that's an interesting point to to our class design though is that like mm-hmm. you know something we've said is we're trying not to make a lot of these classes the space blah like. The yeah. soldier, for example, is not the space fighter. The operative is not the space rogue. These are existing in very different niches. And I could tell in the first edition uh, design folks, like when we talked to Owen and things like that about like the Solarian, they were pretty adamant that they didn't want this to be. Here is your space paladin. <laughs> they have a sword <laughs> made of energy and they're not they're not Jedi. They're completely different from Jedi. Uh, but they, they've struck a, a nice balance from everything I've read of the mystics. Um, we're, we're getting a very different class, uh, potential in a uh, mystic second edition and, uh, and a new iconic, uh, I guess, a an iconic that we know, but, um, for, for second edition, what they could do with a Keskadai? Keskadai's, uh, uh Keskadai is still around. Okay. I was gonna say best best bug dad. Like, come on, don't get yeah. But now we get bug son. Oh, that's true. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Son, son of bug dad. (laughs) Yes, son of of bug. Chick Chick Um, has my heart, and you will all love him too. mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Actually, uh, uh, Thurston bringing up uh, the operative. I did have. uh, I guess that brings up a very uh, specific. Uh, question I have uh, related to how classes behaved in the first Starfinder. Um, it felt like um, balance-wise, uh, there were some issues in the first Starfinder in that um, it seemed like some classes were able to interact with more of the game than other classes mm-hmm. were. Uh, it was a pretty common complaint that I had when somebody in uh, the group I was in was playing an operative and someone chose to play like a Vanguard. and. Like the Vanguard is really good at hitting things very hard and not dying. They're very good at those two things. However, when it came to any other part of the game, it's like, can you make this check? And the Vanguard's like, no. Like I have I have <laughs> nothing. Like I, I literally cannot do any skill checks. So like uh, I, I'm wondering if there's gonna be any more like uh, uh balance in terms of uh letting these other classes uh like interact with the game more in case they aren't somebody who just shows up to throw a d20 and get high numbers because those people do exist and yeah. they're, that's it's valid but. i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna answer shortly and then pass it over to jessica because uh as jessica wrote the current iterations of our operative and our envoy which are classes that you know certainly speak to one another uh i will say that the first edition operative is totally balanced there was nothing wrong with that class at all <laughs> anyone who complains about them is totally wrong there's nothing bad with a class that can do like massive damage be graded every skill and <laughs> 
there there are problems there. Like I'm, you know, I I know people like tiptoeing around it. That class did have some systemic problems, especially depending on types of games you were playing. Um, so as a team, we sat down and discussed like what niches and roles should these classes be in? Um, and I'm sure Jessica can kind of speak a bit more to that. Yeah, I'm gonna try to not <laughs> step over what spoilery things I'm allowed to say. <laughs> how how hard did you nerf the operative? Tell us now. <laughs> so I think one of the things that's exciting about working in the second edition framework for Starfinder is that on the one hand, um, skill feats are separate than your class feats. So whatever class you are, you are going to have opportunities to get skill feats, to get skill increases, and to get class feats and class um, abilities. And both of those are separate so that you cannot be the character who has actually no skills. I'm good at it all. Whoops. And you can not be the person who's great at everything, of course, but like your, your combat abilities are on a separate choice than your skill ones. So you can't just choose to take only one and ignore the second half of your character. So that gives us a better framework to start with in the first place, right? Those in on the Starfinder end, right? Things like skills could take up your feats, but like they're competing with combat things and stuff like that. On the end of the operative for first edition, yes, they they sure could do a whole lot. <laughs> and one of the really nice things about going um and getting to work on Starfinder Again, starting from, I'd say we're starting from the spirit of Starfinder and like the heart of Starfinder, but trying to remember that we're going into something new, right? This is a new phase of Starfinder and getting to take each of those classes and break it down and go, what is actually like the heart of this class? Like, is the star, the, is the operative the class that's the skill class for Starfinder? Are they? Or is something else? Is that the envoy? Is it somebody else entirely? What is an operative? Especially when we're considering the meta state of our game in Pathfinder 2nd Edition and Starfinder 1st Edition and Pathfinder 1st Edition everything, it very strongly forces you into melee combat, right? That's the place to be. That's not going to be the case in Starfinder 2nd Edition. We want you to play ranged. We want you to use your guns because, I mean, everybody's got them. And then you can fly really early because that won't break your game because you've got everybody's got ranged attack. Hmm. There's a different... Um, feel to what we want it to be right we want to consider not just what are these classes like in starfinder if we put them in second edition we want to consider what is starfinder if we're using a whole different framework like at its heart what should it be and we get to do that with every class too and then we're not just comparing them against what they used to be we're comparing them against each other to make sure they all fill different niches but are still fully capable in everything so you don't feel like you're the class that has nothing to do in a fight or nothing to do outside of it and then also, though, we also have to balance, okay, but if you cross over and shove a bunch of Pathfinder things in, what makes them different than those ones, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to balance, but it's also been really rewarding as a team getting to sit down and consider and brainstorm and think, like, how at the heart of each class, what are they? Who are they? And if you're actually launching us into the future, right? what should they be like let go of all of our preconceptions we have about like what the game makes you play it like mm -hmm. how how should you play it like what what is the heart does it want to really be so it's been really fun getting to um reimagine things like operatives and envoys and soldiers and it totally in in a very familiar the same context but also kind of a very different context mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and and since awesome. I can give out some spoilers, I'll just give out a spoiler here because Jessica's like, how much can I actually spoil <laughs> here? Let me let me drop one. I haven't dropped anywhere else yet. The envoy is our like multi skill class. That is the class that should be good at a whole bunch of different things. Maybe it's not the best at all of those things um, and has access to everything, but it's got access to a lot of things in its current rendition. Mm-hmm. Asterisk star playtest pending. I've always felt like the envoy was a better suited class as the skill class personally i always kind of felt like it needed more and i'm glad to hear that um i am jealous because it sounds like you guys are having fun working on this and i'm just gonna have to sit outside the window and just kind of read read playtest blog posts yeah no let's at starfinderplaytest.com that's the first uh, time i've said it we're gonna keep going with that let's just scrap this recording let's just play a little bit of starfinder second edition how about that uh i I don't want to do that hundred percent hundred percent and we will the four of us will play operatives (laughs) we'll have a full (laughs) operative party oh you don't want me to give you four different classes from sf2 and you can try them all out no Oh, okay. Well, only operative is. all party. Party in our current. <laughs> just, you know, it could work. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'm very excited. Like, like I said earlier about the the crossover between these systems. We we got in the first field test that you guys published uh, a a little glimpse at some of the new rules. You talked about how. Um, Gunfire and, and and laser fire, things like that, will will have some different effects. Uh, suppressed as a condition was was shown in there as you know, like laying down heavy fire with a uh, a laser Gatling gun. <laughs> Glitchings in there, yeah, yeah. Um, are we are weapons going to be kind of focused in Starfinder Second Edition to do new things like that? Uh, will, will there be big changes for things like? say grenades uh, a much maligned weapon category on our podcast at the very least even though i love them well i'll say that so far in wonder testing, grenades you know, are great i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> everyone's don't, favorite don't pull the pin of a grenade of wonder when you're inside a moon flower you will inevitably <laughs> get the result that reverses gravity and then you're still inside a moon flower that's 80 feet up on a ceiling happened to me once not a good time well not no, me, no, no. Player, grenades, player, that's the bathroom player. grenade you pull the wonder grenade and then you go to the bathroom yeah no so, so so to hit a bit um guns have a lot of wild and varied effects now in, in starfinder second edition um we just came in from a playtest game where my character was spending an action to do something with their gun you know a lot of people are like oh that third action and pathfinder mm. To economy, you have nothing to do with it. I was I was starved for choices with those third actions, um, <laughs> and some some of the guns, like you know, the fact is, and you saw it in the playtest. You know, we have a lot of different damage type on weapons that doesn't quite exist. Like we, mm. uh, it's kind of strange. We we even had like a type of weapon damage that did mental damage, and like what would that be? Um, you know that that's all some of the fun that we're going to get to have with with new weapons. We have a whole array of new traits that we're currently in the process of like messing around with and seeing how they work and playing you know like testing them out and whatnot but that really speaks to what jessica brought up and is key to what we're doing which is this meta state like Mm -hmm. starfinder at its core whether or not it is the case you know as much right now in first edition but at its core 
it should be a game about guns. Like, <laughs> really, you should have people who are firing. A, don't get me wrong. Vesk and their Doshko. I was going to say, Vesk might gotta... have something to say about that. <laughs> well, yeah. And I will I will say the Vesk with the Doshko in our playtests have been super effective. Um, but, it, you know, we want to have a game uh, where guns are getting fired. Like, It's one thing I enjoyed in first edition. I, I would invariably in all of my campaigns in Pathfinder first edition have someone that wanted to play a ranged character. And once they got to a certain threshold with a bow and arrow or crossbow, they were a very dangerous force on the battlefield. And I I just don't feel like any of uh, our Starfinder folks here have ever wanted to uh, devote that much to ranged for, I've for played almost nothing but ranged characters throughout the six-year history of our podcast. <laughs> I want and how's that want, worked out for you? <laughs> you know what I want? I want scary sniper rifles. And not just in that one star oh. that one Starfinder scenario. What was, what was the <laughs> operative damage you dealt, Jess, in our like oh. play test? Like, what was your opening shot? We were doing what? A critical hit with my lovely fatal sniper rifle, Ooh. and it dealt. So, over, what low level were we? Then we were like, low, it did like over fifty. When, yeah. when second edition came out yeah. and all those uh, various like crit um, effects and things like that, I was like, "Oh, this is this is what I think grenades and sniper rifles were missing." Was that like extra, yeah. like oomph? of of damage if if you roll just right you know <laughs> i think i think yeah i think we were like fifth level and it was like opening shot easy 50 points of damage oh head head blown off and as landed which you know equates roughly to like and it was great yeah an archivist gunslinger uh who <laughs> can do a similar thing but like maybe an operative is more consistent about it um yeah, it's it's interesting. Grenades are in a weird place. We're testing them internally right now. Um, you know, I think I mentioned it in the playtest blog, so I don't feel bad saying it here. Like right now, we're testing them out as just like drop template in range and use class DC. Yeah. Like I mean simple, easy, sense. no splash damage, just everything in makes makes a save. Um th- and this again, this speaks to a lot of what we've been finding is that third action in Starfinder is critical. Like it's, <laughs> there's so many uses for a third act. You're not, so far in our playtest. I've very rarely had a situation where where a character's like, I don't know what to do with my third action. Like even spellcasters, where it's like, I cast a buff or a debuff, and then because it's Starfinder, I cast gun. Um, <laughs> it works real well. <laughs> I mean, in in uh, Pathfinder Second Edition, I mean, in in uh, Dead Men Roll No Crits, uh, the melee characters like uh, my character Hanto the Monk and uh, uh, Rebecca's character Alaris the Rogue, we call the third uh, action the Hail Mary because it's like <laughs> we don't really have much to do with our third action aside from hope I hit a twenty with that roll, <laughs> like, because uh, especially with Hanto, like I've already attacked three times, so I'm like at the highest penalty possible. It's like maybe I'll get a twenty. Crit fishing, crit fishing, yeah, <laughs> crit fishing indeed. That's been a lot of fun trying to work out for each class, but also for our gear, finding ways that we can make use of that third action yeah. for <laughs> everybody, and also reactions, finding new fun reactions for every class, and making sure there's lots of choices so you don't feel like any of your actions are wasted mm-hmm. has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Here, another some... spoiler, like, wow, we did the Solarian today and the Solarian had some really cool reactions. Oh, yeah. fun, fun. Yes. Yes. Playing the Solarian was very fun today. I like where we're. Yeah. I, I definitely yeah. 
Feel like did you going for brownie points because I did the first draft of it. Checks in the mail. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll believe it when it gets here. So, uh, oh, well, that's a deep cut. Armor. <laughs> armor is something I have a question about. So, mm-hmm. um, obviously, like in, in the first um, edition of Starfinder, like we had like archaic weapons, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, you know, anybody who would come at you with a sword or, or a bow uh, would suffer greatly for it. Uh, and, you know, there was EAC and KAC. I'm assuming that there's no EAC, KAC going nope. on. Armor yeah. class. Okay. Um, that's cool to, mm-hmm. to kind of like bring that into one number um and another one that uh, i had is a uh, uh, as a dm um in starfinder an annoyance of mine is that like uh i would bring up you know like when i think about space exploration i think about like going to planets you've never been to before uh encountering like toxins uh uh poisons and 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 viruses that are unknown and dangerous and beep beep uh, nothing hurts me yeah i would i would bring it up and they would be like oh well i'm wearing armor so it doesn't matter and i'm like you're right for for a long time internally a bunch of us at the office who worked on the game referred to it as jesus suits because you just be like (laughs) ray um it's honestly something we've had serious talks about um you know Jessica does a lot of adventure design, and that's a big pain in the butt for scenarios. I, you know, started in org play, as a lot of people know, same as where Jessica is now. And oh boy, would like I get my face ripped off if I ever dared to put in like a this is a special type of gas that can bypass <laughs> your environmental protections. You would get review bombs so fast. How dare you take away this thing that I mostly forget about? But when it matters, <laughs> I like to tell the GM, ah, um, caustic. Oh, Definitely gosh, yes. caustic. Make everything caustic. caustic, yeah. caustic, caustic right, yeah. that. right through. Yeah. And they'll still <laughs> review bomb you. No, um, it's fun. Like, and, and the the original intent for that, having been there at the time, is you know, you want to make sure that like people can adventure. Like, like at first level, you should be able to go to the dead planet and explore around. Um yeah. I think, though, the approach we're taking is maybe less of like you can go to Magma McFire World at first level where the the air does 4d6 fire damage and have a good time. Um, But what we're looking at and some of the scaling equipment opportunities that we have really tie into this is doing some iterative increases in defenses based on the specific model of armor you have. So that way, what we can do from an adventure design perspective, which is really appealing to us is have some gated content and I'm gated. I mean like, Hey, by seventh level armor, we can assume that the PCs can now deal with like minorly corrosive or radioactive environments check okay are we going to do an adventure there where we don't want it to be an issue for the players cool let's do it like start it at seventh level and that gives us some benchmarks Mm. so that we can know where some of these things will show up in adventures whereas previously yeah in first edition it's like i can go anywhere and do anything and if (laughs) you know the, the the writers have the temerity of putting a hazard that's even half adjacent to the protections i have listed that's a bad thing like we want to make sure that there's environmental challenges it's important yeah uh now now i'm just thinking about like what that means for uh uh characters that stumble into starfinder scenarios but they're <laughs> pathfinder characters it's like i've got full plate so i'm immune to radiation <laughs> <laughs> my god will protect me <laughs> and and this is really a key point where you know these systems are going to be compatible 
compatibility does not mean balance (laughs) and this is something so important to talk about it goes back to jessica brought up the meta state it's the thing we refer to internally a lot it's the you know yeah these games are compatible i can pull a creature stat block from any pf2 book and drop it into a starfinder 2 game and it will work fine but let me tell you a goblin with a dog slicer who's 200 feet away from the guy with a laser rifle that (laughs) goblin's probably not gonna make it and it's probably gonna be a really boring encounter um and so these like meta states are a lot of the balance we're actually doing is like how fun is it? You know, there's there's different and there's different GMing styles. I, for example, like to test the long range game. Jason Bullman believes in our playtest to start us 10 feet apart from each other in every combat. <laughs> this is a personal attack on you, Jason Bullman. You aren't listening to this, but I want you to know this. Uh, but that's like, but that's different meta states, and we need to test that to see how those those work out, right? Mm-hmm. I like the idea that like each uh group. I guess I don't know how to call like uh, the, uh, the the future group and the and the past group. I like to think that they would have like different ways to surprise each other, right? Like uh, you, you you get people from like you get some Starfinder characters encountering some ancient Pathfinder thing, and they're like, oh, "Our guns don't work. That's weird." <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't know how to. You know guys don't have this. magic runes on those things. What are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna like, do it anything. Specifically about that. needs like a blessing, and it's like, oh, huh. <laughs> hey, hey, Jessica, how about the don't you have a cell phone from our oh, playtest? Oh, no. <laughs> one of the oh, you, really, yeah, one of the interesting things is when we had a playtest involving um, our Glenslinger tossed out of time into Starfinder. Um, he was from Pathfinder and our mystic uh, needed to. He was way up in the middle of getting his face punched in his like guns had already misfired he yeah, was both a guns bad exploded. Day. <laughs> yeah and like the big burly boss we've been all trying to take down together was about to like punch him in the face and like just he was no he would not be going back to his time at all he would be done <laughs> um and our mystic was so excited he's like wait i've got a ranged healing spell uh yeah, I call their cell phone uh, and on their comm unit and I play like their theme song and it's like invigorating and it heals them. He doesn't have a comm unit. Oh, and this we is, had this, this hilarious is realization. Well, I guess I can't heal you. <laughs> the gunslinger only has Sorry. Android and, and you, you have uh, an iPhone. It doesn't yeah. it's not working. Yeah, yeah. But like an can't, acronym. Can't heal people like with green text bars. Yeah. 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 Um and, Boy, howdy. Uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot about it. I'm very excited about this next uh, blog post you got coming out. This sounds like a good one. Good one. Uh, good one. Can you can you tell us when we're going to get more field tests? Is is there another one coming up after that? Uh, maybe? We haven't quite announced that yet. I will say that I I am. We, we put number one there for a reason. Um, we aren't quite oh, well. announcing the date on the next one, but, you know, keep tuned, like, stay tuned. We're going to have some, you know, Paizo often does some, some events, you know, we have our Paizo live, our blogs, keep, keep an eye out. We'll probably be letting people know the next big thing, of course, is Pathfinder is now doing, um, I think it's next week. They're, they're going to be, uh, 
doing their their announcement of uh, a play test with two new classes. So. Right, right. Big yeah. big excitement in that. Uh, didn't didn't see that coming for sure. Too everyone well. everyone before Gen Con was like, oh man, Paizo's so busy. Like they've got <laughs> yeah. this remaster project. We're gonna be lucky if we get a book with one class. And then we came out and we're like. How about eight in the next year? <laughs> like it's been a busy time at the office. Uh, well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, you're you're reinventing these Starfinder first edition classes, but we haven't really talked about ancestries, which uh, um, they will also be called ancestries and Starfinder second edition. Correct? Yeah, that's that's generally the play. Yeah, um, alien ancestries, but you're changing it up for second edition. So in a similar way that Pathfinder second edition added in what goblin i guess was was one of the main kind of add-ins for mm-hmm. for the the core book uh we're going to get is it pathra for for patra patra uh, uh starfinder second edition and did you announce anything else already is there anything uh, yeah. else you want to an- <laughs> announce here well keep an eye out you gotta get the cat people in there come on i'll announce that there's more than that <laughs> yeah nice our <laughs> Well, and we- and we might even have some bespoke versatile heritages in our book too. Oh, exciting! Um, well, I was about to say, are humans going to be in there? Because we've already got Pathfinder for second edition humans. Uh, are, are there going to be like a whole new entry, or are there going to be like options for humans? What's I- kind of cool? It's kind of cool that on my second monitor I can pull up all oh, of our you. all of our work in Quickly. progress. In- um, enhance the reflection of Thurston's yeah, glasses. Yeah, I know. Get that, it, get it, get enhance. it. Get it. Um, that, that, enhance. That, I mean, that, that kind of reminds me. Um, there's another RPG that uh, I backed, and like they they just came out with like their beta uh, PDF. It's it's like a, a Studio Ghibli uh, old school video game inspired uh, system called Break. And uh, they have two humans, uh, one which is like a human of the world, and then one called the interdimensional stray, which is like a human from somewhere else. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like we, we already got space goblins. Are we getting space humans? <laughs> <laughs> right. So well, so it's like, yeah, uh, we, we, we will be, um, mm-hmm. you know, currently, you know, we want to make sure that if we're releasing something, we we want it to ha- have some kick to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Humans is a good example of this. Um, you know, one thing that's also really fun that did not exist in Starfinder First Edition is the concept of heritages, right? Mm-hmm. That like you pick an ancestry, but on top of your ancestry, you, you get a heritage. I mentioned it on a few other shows, but like this lets us explore some cool design space. Like, hey, you know Sheeran and you can have a Sheeran. Hey, what if like we had like a winged Sheeran as a potential thing? Like oh my. there's some there's some different opportunities that like we just couldn't do effectively under the the old rules chassis. Um one of the fun thing for like heritages we could do um for now is like humans that maybe have heritages that are more tied to lost galarian or the aslanti star empire. Mm. Um it lets us explore some interesting space. And so, yes, will there be humans? I'm not Absolutely. About being able to play an Aslanti. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, I, I want it first thing. Of course, first. Patrick wants to play an Aslanti. <laughs> Space baddies. Uh, well, that, that's. It, oh yeah, go right ahead. I think it's important to note that, like Pathfinder Second Edition, has tons of cool ancestries, and those are going to be compatible. And mm-hmm. tossing those into a Starfinder game will not break your game at all like 100 yeah. percent. pull those in yeah. also 
many of those do also exist in Starfinder, right? Mm -hmm. So even when we start with just our core ancestries, anyone that's in Pathfinder and is a part of Starfinder is also there. Like if you want to play a dwarf in space, which you should, they're there. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. Kobolds everywhere. I I imagine we're we're getting like some pages of some additional spacey ancestry feats for definitely a lot of these first or, or Pathfinder second edition um ancestries uh w- one thing that i mean i personally was worried about is we're going from starfinder first edition where you only have those single page alien uh playable character uh species to now second edition which is usually like three or four I- i'm just worried we're not going to get as many of those in your you know we, we would get them in adventure paths and get like a ton of them in the alien archives uh, is it going to take, like, are we ever going to get back to that point in Starfinder 2nd Edition where there's a hundred playable aliens? I mean, we're already close. Like Jessica just said, we're going to have all of the Pathfinder ancestors. Oh, yeah, that's that's a nice little jumping gate, off right? point. <laughs> um, but I'm going like to like 35 go, or something. Yeah, already. Like, um, and that's not including like weird back mattery stuff and other things. Um, and then, you know, the ones that will exist in our new core book and all the ones that are going to come out between now and the next two years. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of space, you know, a lot, a lot of ancestries will exist already. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm going to address an elephant in the room, which is that like, Oh wow. In Starfinder one E, uh, there were a lot of, um, ancestry or species that existed. And that's because a lot of those species you could tell, and you could deliver all of the playable information in a quarter column section that had perks. It also had mm-hmm. some massive detriments. First of all, um, you could tell who the clear winners were, and there sure <laughs> were some ancestries in, in Starfinder First Edition that were some clear winners. And Humans, I uh, obviously, where do you where do you stand on the trucks? Uh, yeah, the, the trucks. I mean, how about let me tell you? I'm sure there are a ton of people who did want to play SROs for flavor. There were a lot of other people who played SROs because they ignored a lot of elements of the game um, and were a super powerful species. Um, and like before anyone says, no, no one would ever play the game like that. I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, do character builders and are nice enough to share data with me. And mm-hmm. the data is pretty conclusive that you can see. <laughs> <laughs> There's like core and then oh the ones that are really high up there are mechanically super good. And then you start <laughs> seeing ones where they have like a really heavy theme element. And I'm not I'm not saying this to like rain on anyone's day. I'm saying this because it's a cold hard fact. And when you reduce an ancestry down to, you know, a, a quarter column um snippet of text that is predominantly math based, um people are going to find the winners and the losers, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the ancestry system in the the Pathfinder 2E engine lets us do so much more and gives us so many cool options. Like you're not just going to pick your ancestry uh, in Starfinder second edition because it gives you the buffs you want, because honestly you can get the buffs you want to most stats anyways. Um, What it's going to let you do is look through and find cool, fun abilities that are like going to help you, you know, tell a narrative or get into your class and you're like, you know, into the character you want to be into we haven't really talked about ancestries a lot in, in other you know shows but there's there's a lot of fun stuff like there's a pretty vivid 
discourse going on right now about multiple arms in the, the Starfinder <laughs> 2E engine. Yeah, now was... that can be pretty potent. And, you know, maybe being a Kasatha will let you be a bit more potent with your many arms. Or, you know, maybe being a Patra, you'll get things like, I don't know, long whiskers that give you special stuff. Or <laughs> arcane whiskers that give you stuff. Like, we Magic can have whiskers. a... I'm not kidding. Arcane Whiskers is currently one of their feats. I have the documents. Um, <laughs> that, I can right I can be abusive like this. No one stops me. Um, but, but realistically, I'm a madman. Like, yeah, exactly. But it lets us do some interesting, fun narrative stuff. And the other thing that it lets us do, and like I can really speak to to Jessica's skill here because she's knocking it out of the park because she's been handling a lot of the the development on this right now and the sort of second passes on ancestries is that we can you know we can tell more of a story getting like two pages or even a full page of like here is the narrative for this ancestry rather than like here is a small stat block that says these are <laughs> walrus people who live on the the aquatic walrus planet please go i was responsible partly responsible for walrus people <laughs> in starfinder i know you're the um, blame <laughs> I, I was um well in k baker too it was kind of a shared yeah. thing um that that all being said is like it lets us do more and you know rather than that ancestry being reduced to this is the best bonus the best ability it lets the player feel more involved so will there be you know will it not be as easy for us to slap them into every book we do absolutely does that mean we're gonna have less probably not because it's actually something we want to dive into i don't think there's a book yet that we've pitched where we aren't like there are about six ancestries we can put into this book (laughs) off the top of our heads and that's not even including like if we you know probably like money which our company does is like let's do an ancestry Book. Oh like, my goodness gracious! Yeah, you, you just sold a million copies of uh, Alien oh, Ancestries Volume One, oh, yeah. and all the As... Pathfinder players can suddenly use that. Think of it. Think. Can you not wait to well, see the legions of Skittermanders that are going to invade <laughs> Galarian? Uh, uh, yes. as, <laughs> as someone playing a gray, I am very excited about this. <laughs> uh, Skittermanders are 2017. I want to play Starfinder Second Edition Novians that are coming out in Starfinder oh, Enhanced. Those are my babies. How, how long are we going to wait until we get Novians in Second Edition? I'm very excited. Well, I, I I have any thing to say about it immediately except they won't let me put them in core oh yeah look we we've snuck yeah. one uh one potentially flying thing but mm. how about i'm gonna i'm hoping it won't just like block it out <gasps> look at this little <laughs> look at this little long furby what? here <laughs> that's playable that's oh my a playable goodness. species and enhanced. <laughs> You've the just shown us days. indeed the flying long Furby creatures. I ruined <laughs> them by calling them long Furbies, but they're flying magical creatures that you can play, and they have a clumsy fly speed because they're adorable. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, uh, uh, Thurston, you've identified the kind of player I am because usually whenever I pick up a book, the first thing I look for in Table of Contents is player options. Yeah, <laughs> that, that combination of words, I'm just like, I, I just want to see if there's any cool new things I can do. Absolutely. And, it, it's and I always think we've learned there. that. Like, we want to do more of that. That's for all of us. That's the fun stuff, I think. Yeah. Before, before we wrap up here tonight, um, I, I will say I was concerned going 
from Pathfinder first edition to Pathfinder second edition in reducing like all the crazy options that we had, but they multiplied over in just the last couple of years throughout the books so quickly. I could barely keep up. You're like, mm-hmm. we got the gunslinger before you knew it. Like, <laughs> and then uh, so many books came out with those different versatile heritages that really like multiplied those options that that players had. I had a, uh, <laughs> a like a 12 year old the other day who made up a Kitsune skeleton psychic and I was like, this is the weirdest combination yeah. ever. And Love it. it sounds so awesome. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I want claws and I want to be, be able to read people's minds. I'm like, I, that's you could do that in Pathfinder oh, Second Edition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the exciting things that I'm hearing as a player is the um, the combinations of weird and wild things that you can do are are being explored fully in a wild sci-fi way and i i did have a quick question i guess for jessica before uh, we head out is some of my favorite moments in in narrative in starfinder like i've enjoyed all the stories but i've i've loved when it's gotten like really weird <laughs> and like when, when like when, when we are in the mindscape of a hive creature and having to make these wild sacrifices and doing all these things that feel very rewarding it's not a traditional space fight constantly it's like oh you're making interesting decisions that will have effects later in the story has moments like that affected how you guys are going to approach narrative with in uh, starfighter enhanced edition of with all these new things you can do are are, is the narrative going to be just as wild and crazy (laughs) in in that respect so i write a lot as freelancer for Starfinder and Pathfinder. And I love Pathfinder's engine. Of course, it's such a smooth, smooth system. And, you know, I'm excited we're bringing Starfinder that direction. But when it comes time to write adventures, I find Starfinder is such a freeing system to write for in terms of what you can do in adventures. Like, literally nothing I could possibly think of is too weird for Starfinder. But at the same time, Starfinder has such heart in it like it's got like Mm -hmm. a really it's got spirit and like it doesn't matter what kind of weird story you're doing if you're doing horror if you're doing comedy if you're doing first contact if you're doing slugfests if you're doing random mindscapes and time shooting into different we had a special that was like time traveling and like it doesn't matter what weird things like you can think of it's not too weird and it (laughs) still manages to like keep it still keeps its heart right like right i find it is very um fun to work in so anytime we have more weird stuff to do that i can see from a player option standpoint from new lore standpoint from weird plot hooks anything like that that comes up is always just like a whole bunch of fun new tools to throw in there right even if it's just like these are cool new things i can make the enemies in these fights do or to you can expect now that players will do this weird thing okay cool like i think one of the options lets you in in enhance lets you turn yourself into a starship creature like oh okay (laughs) i'm there let's do that if you (laughs) give me the chance to do something stupid i will 100 percent do it every single time patrick can attest to that he's not lying (laughs) i will (laughs) i I love that kind of stuff yeah Yeah, i I think it's what these games are a fun are system for. to work in and it's a fun system to play in and mm. it is 
always my favorite to get to dive into adventures, either as an author or as a developer or whatever side of the development pipeline I'm on or as a player. Like some of my favorite adventures I've ever played are like some really weird Starfinder Society scenarios and stuff like that, especially from Mm -hmm. season one, because it was the first time we were doing those kind of things. Right. Like it's just fun. Like I'm always excited to see what other people come up with. So we can like do even wilder things. That's that's really exciting to hear because that yeah that that's my my favorite moments in Starfinder is when it just gets wild and crazy and I felt like I went on an actual sci-fi adventure and it it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, anytime we can surprise someone, right? Like there's so many media things we pull from, so many tropes, so many everything, and like when you're doing a fantasy setting that comes with a lot of legacy stuff and mm-hmm. some some baggage too, right? And right. sci-fi, of course, has its own baggage and luggage and things we pull from everywhere but like starfinder somehow manages to be like surprising and different and anytime that we can make it more surprising is just always so rewarding well in 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 pathfinder you can't enter the drift right (laughs) so uh, in in starfinder you can end up anywhere in pathfinder you're probably going to travel you're gonna you're gonna end up somewhere where there's like 500 years of politics already established like everywhere you go. (laughs) And there's, there's a balance to that too, right? Like one of the things we really are trying to do, especially in the new edition is, you know, Starfinder first edition did such a good job of like putting all of these building blocks everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And like, certainly we could keep going and adding new building blocks and we want to do that and we will be doing that. But also we want to take some of these things we've thrown out there and like give them some depth, like really dive into them. One of the most, I think, rewarding creative talks we've had was like, okay, second edition, let's go through all the packed worlds and see what's going on with them and what we can do with them. Um, Let's take a look at near space and see what's going on there. Let's take a look at our deities. Let's take a look at the vast and just like throw ideas at the wall. And some of the ideas that we have thrown to the wall have been like, yeah, let's do that. Like, let's <laughs> shake things up. Like, you know, our core deities in SF2 are going to be different. They're they're not. The, you've already heard of Zon Shalin. What's that about? Yeah. Koopa? Who knows? Um, I, I have the, I have the visual of, of someone picking up a building block. Like, oh, there's a basement under that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're building basements. That's our that second edition tagline. <laughs> building building basements. basements. It's like you know, the Zoe's excellent you, adventure. <laughs> Wayland Utani building oh, better oh, oh. worlds, building better basements. <laughs> uh, uh, this is uh, an extremely important question that I would be remiss not to ask uh, before Patrick wraps things up. Um, are there going to be bathrooms in? <laughs> Starfinder second edition. Okay. Okay. I'm the person in charge of flip maps now. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. You... I work very closely with, with Jessica on these because okay. flip maps serve an important necessary need. Oh, absolutely. Organized place. So do bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. Bathrooms. <laughs> bathrooms often do not. Uh, bathrooms are cool uh, and fun in some situations. But let me tell you, when you write for organized play and decide to use a map with a bathroom, you have to account for that very small paragraph that's like area A13, <laughs> bathrooms. And then you put a little like line of text in there that's like, 
the pristine stalls here are pristine. <laughs> period. Space. Next line. Um, no, it's it's it, you know certainly we'll have bathrooms and stuff where it matters. Nice. Like okay, I don't think cool. if we do a starship, we're not going to have bathrooms. Uh, we might actually do do our due diligence and scale them to large sized creatures because that's always awkward to see on a map. Yeah, we, right. We have famously had a bathroom battle in our first season. <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> There's you, you could go the route of the fifth element where it's a shower and a bathroom. It's like all in one level. So mm-hmm. you only have to draw one thing and then describe it. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, it's a three in one. You know, like they, they got those everywhere in Starfinder now. It doesn't it doesn't use <laughs> yeah. water. It uses yeah. sonic yeah. vibration. You don't know yeah, how exactly. to use the three seashells. When I was doing maps for um, Redshift Rally. Uh, one of the things that when I was doing all my art notes and all that kind of stuff, I was like, hey, please make sure some of these chairs fit large people. I want 10 <laughs> foot wide chairs for my large size nice. characters to sit in. Please make sure at least half the bathrooms, if you're doing bathrooms, could fit a large person in it. That'd be really nice. Please do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I like enough. how I like I pulled up the I pulled it up and there it is. There's like six small or four small bathrooms and then two really really big ones. I like <laughs> You're it. Well Excellent. Like it. Yeah. <laughs> as as someone who played an uplifted bear in our second season, I could not go anywhere. And <laughs> <laughs> squeeze rules. Here we go. <laughs> Starfinder episode. Building better bathrooms. <laughs> not ADA compliant. With, uh, <laughs> it wasn't just bathrooms. With like all sizes. Always and sometimes. I feel like That's the true. opposite would be worse if you're like a tiny creature and you're just in like a, a Lilliputian style world where you have to deal with. You know, the, you, you no, know no, 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 no. Being a tiny creature is great because uh, when I played a Raxolite, I got to avoid the whole death march that you set up, Patrick, in the swarm <laughs> thing. I got, I got to hop on someone's shoulders and just ride that whole thing to the end. <laughs> There's there's That's perks definitely there's perks, uh, well uh, Jessica Thirsty thank you for having us on uh, Cosmic Crit this you're uh, welcome uh, this is gonna we're gonna do the outro I'll uh, let okay. our guests oh, speak <laughs> first yeah uh, yes so we 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 really appreciated uh, you guys coming on and uh, I mean it's a long road you got like you said like two full years before we can even uh, see a a core rule book probably but we are. Yeah here on the podcast obviously super invested super excited we were uh getting ready to wind down on starfinder first edition with this like the longest season we've ever done of the podcast and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do after this it's probably gonna be starfinder second edition yeah Heck yeah it should be yeah yeah and then we're gonna have some real cool stories to tell it oh just wait just if you think the <laughs> first edition had some stuff second edition's looking to be pr- pretty explosively big <laughs> oh boy uh you can't tease us like that i can gotta it's my give show us- oh, that's, um, oh that's, true. <laughs> that's right yeah host can tease as much as that's, they right. want. that's the rules um right so if people want to uh contact you folks about second edition or get involved in the process and tell you how to do your job uh where can they find you online or, or where can they uh submit <gasps> ideas to the the, the playtest system 
If you just asked me that question, I would say don't. Uh, uh, no. Exactly. If you want to get involved, you can go to starfinderplaytest.com. Yes. Or you can harass <laughs> Thurston on social media and send yes. him all kinds of questions and he will answer them for I you, but I will not. I don't think you use social media. Is that right? I've never seen you post anything. Never. It's <laughs> so weird. I didn't post an awful picture of a skittermander with the defibrillator mouth from the thing on my Twitter today. Um, <laughs> mouth. If you're seriously looking to connect, though, you can find me on Twitter and most other things at D20 Diaries. Oh, and last question. Is Captain Concierge just the new Starfinder mascot now? Uh, people, the the community has has uh, accepted him as as uh, the the mouthpiece for. Excellent. For, <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be the entire field test? Is oh, yeah. Concierge. Absolutely. Taking us through? Good. Captain Good. Concierge is going to be a little, little bit of a buddy who's going to give us some uh, some interesting tidbits. And it's important, we're, right? It's, we're going to need more to art. Is what yeah, I'm saying, I, Captain Concierge. I'd like to see next time Thurston has to show up and talk about something at like the next Pythacon. I want to see Thurston in a Captain Concierge mask oh, at man. minimum. Oh, Fair. we got a little, we'll, little like we'll naval outfit and yeah, everything. Yeah, and I want the know. hat. Start growing okay. out your mutton chops. We need, <laughs> oh, gosh. We need some more fur. <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. Um, no, hi, uh, Thurston Hillman, managing creative director for Starfinder. I'm super <laughs> professional. You can find me on all the things at On Call GM. Um, I also am part of the Narrative Declaration Show. <laughs> Competing show on a show. No, we don't compete at all. Got his mic. Uh, we, got his mic. Yeah, I know. We do a <laughs> Pathfinder Second Edition game, which I GM for uh, in my spare time. So you can go check out my GMing style there. Otherwise. Uh, I'm talking all the things Starfinder, whether it's on the tweeters, the blue skies, the um, Paizo forums, the subreddits, the everywhere. Oh, God. Starfinderplaytest.com. 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 We need your help. Please help us. Okay. Uh, uh, Seth, Miles, thank you guys for, for being here. I mean, I, I have to, to, like I said, uh, temper my excitement because it's such a long haul, but every time I open up something about well, second edition, I just get more and more ideas and and more excited for for what's to come. Um, that that's gonna do it. Uh, thank thank you <laughs> once again. Thank you, Thirsty and uh, Jessica for having us. And uh, uh, maybe you guys can come back and talk more about Starfinder Second Edition. Some sometimes I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. when when there's more to yeah. spoil, perhaps. Or perhaps, you know, when we have a demo and we can get some people on your show to play some characters and actually play the game. They probably wouldn't want to do that. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, I'll, you know, I, it seems it boring. Not if uh, not unless everyone could be an operative. I get it. I get yeah, it. no, five, five operatives going to town. Uh, all right. That's going to do it. Uh, thank thank you guys for, for being here. And we will catch you on, on next week's episode of Conference McCreates. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Cosmic Crit, an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder role-playing game and adventure paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder and Starfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.